0: welcome to the book of toby Mac podcast i'm your host chase tremaine and this is my co-host rice bowl
1: you already used that one did i yeah oh one dang of the first episodes
0: this is my co-host um, welcome to the jesus freak hideout podcast would you like to introduce the secretive third
1: person we have with us today would i like to introduce him why don't you introduce him he's your rival
0: Oh, no, this is this is the man who I agree with so often that uh, it almost makes my opinion on the website irrelevant. This is our very own Michael Weaver. What's up? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. We will be looking back at 2017 on today's episodes and our staff picks uh, in particular on the website, but we also invited you on for our... Every episode segment, is it five stars for an album that you gave five stars to back when it released?
1: Seven years ago. Michael, what was that album?
2: Seven years ago, I gave five stars to Lecrae's Rehab. One of my
1: first hip-hop albums. Oh, you mean like rap music? Yeah, rap music.
0: That that thing. Oh, gotcha. You know some about that. Well, don't you know it's mainstream now? <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was some sort of uh, like christian life audiobook about like rehabilitation spiritually sure (laughs) no but in in all honestly so i i just listened to the album for the first time in preparation uh, for this podcast so i'm far more interested in what you two have to say about it. And then after hearing uh, what you two have to say, I can maybe bring some fresh perspective and be able to say what it's like to hear it for the first time in 2018. But kind of what I'd like to start out with, uh, Michael, is where you're coming from, from giving the album five stars upon its release and whether you still think it's a five-star album today.
2: Back in... 2010, I'd i been a fan of some Christian rap and stuff back earlier when I, in my youth group days and kind of got more into hard rock and metal and kind of left that by the wayside and then had slowly been picking it back up. And for some reason in 2010, um, I'd heard Rebel a little bit and I liked it all right and I'd heard some Trip and uh, Tadashi and it was kind of getting into the Reach thing and then Rehab hit. And it, it was just really good to me. I, I loved it. Um, looking back on it, even a couple years down the road, uh, I listened to it again. And there's a few songs that I don't connect with the same way I did. So I don't know that I'd, I'd say it's five stars for me now. At that point in time in my life, though, that album, I connected in a big way with it. And uh, I was loving it. It was definitely my favorite favorite album of that year it's still my favorite lecrae album uh hands down but yeah i don't know that i'd say it's five stars anymore for me personally
1: four and a half you think
2: I, i'm thinking four and a half that's probably where i'd land with i listened to it uh a few times uh since we since we uh been preparing for this listen to it today and kind of a few songs that just i think i maybe uh was loving some of it so much that i made excuses for a couple songs yeah. they just didn't they didn't or they just didn't hold up seven years down the road I, I can't tell which one it was for sure
1: do you have uh the track listing what what were kind of your favorite tracks the the biggest ones that stood out and then what were the ones that you kind of glanced over my
2: favorite lecrae song to this day is uh it's 40 deep which is on this album um yeah with tadashi and Tripley and it, it's it's between that and uh fakin with this uh, this a lot of gravity but probably Probably lean back to 40 deep almost every time. There's something about that song, just the way, the flow and everything. It, I've always loved it. I think this album has the best intro uh, with Check In. Again, the drop from Gravity is also really close, but Check In is just, it's, it's Lecrae Lecrae's best on his intros, I think. Yes.
1: Is it Killa?
2: Killa, yes. That's a good jam, man. Check In
1: is killer. No, no, no. no. Ki- uh, Check
2: In is the intro. Killa is the first actual track.
1: But I'm saying that check in is killer. Oh! That is a
2: confusing statement,
0: Mark. I,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I follow you now. I follow you.
0: Well, so check in is killer. Killer is killer. But killer is killer in a way that check in is not killer because check in is check in. This is true. I love it, Chase. It's... I love it. I'm, I'm so in it right now.
2: Let's see. New Shalom is another one that I really dug back then. Uh, used to do it too with KB. That was like KB's first first guest spot. No one even knew who KB was when this came out.
0: (laughs) I didn't know who KB was until a few months ago. So it was funny. (laughs) It was funny for me to listen to this album and be like, oh my gosh, KB existed back then? (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's a lot of names on this album.
2: That same thing with um, Andy. Andy Mini Allen, background. That's basically his first big big spot too. But for me, as far as like, I mean, I, I mentioned some of the songs I love, but uh, like "Walking on Water" just kind of doesn't resonate or sit with me like it did. And then the bonus track with Chris Lee, the uh, "I Love You," I, I listened to that today. I did I couldn't even finish it.
1: <laughs> wow, you can't see, but I'm nodding. Er, I'm shaking my head <laughs> in agreement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I um. I really typically judge a five-star album by skipping songs is is a big, if there's a song I want to skip, it's no way it's five stars for me. It's five stars is perfect. And back in 2010, I didn't want to skip anything on this today, especially really focusing on it, walking on water, um, new reality. Those are all that I was like, yeah, I could, I can move on. But some of the other ones to me still, still stand out really good. Like 40 deep. I love it.
0: Yeah. I would agree that there's, there's, too much fat on this album. But what do you think Mark? Where do you stand on this album?
1: As one of my first forays into hip hop, um, you know, I was I wasn't immediately floored. I don't think I am floored with it. Um, I do think that it is one of the better perhaps even one of the best hip-hop albums that I have heard to this day. And maybe that's just because, you know, I'm looking back on it and I remember it so fondly, but Mm -hmm. it just got my attention so strongly and it still gets my attention. You know, I listened to this a few times um, in this past week and it's been the first time in a while that I've listened to it. And I've remembered everything and... Mm. uh, You know, that's one of the things that, to me, is really important for a great album. And, you know, I I kind of, I think I do agree with Michael on songs like Walking on Water. You know, not one of the better songs on the album. Background is not one of the better songs on the album, even though it was a massive radio hit for him. I remember those songs because they were so catchy. You know, some of the standout tracks for me, uh, Just Like You. To this day, that's still one of my favorite uh, Lecrae songs.
2: Yeah, good song. Yeah, very good, good song.
1: song. Check in. I have a really fond, um, a fond place for since that was basically the first Lecrae song that I listened to. You know, the first song on well, whatever. Uh, uh, Children of the Light with uh, Sonny, I really liked. Then um, maybe not quite as much now, but um,
2: I'm kind of with you on that. Sun, the Sonny song, I loved it then, and listening to it today, it kind of was more like nostalgia, but it's not quite the way, as good as I remember it being. Uh,
1: would I give this album five stars? Mm, I don't think so. I think I would probably need to, I'm probably more along your lines, uh, Michael,
0: you know, four and a half thinking at this point. From those first few tracks, I am amazed. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Uh, from you know, Killa check-in, uh, divine intervention, and then just like you, I was floored. Like all of it, like the lyrics were so heavy, the hooks were so good, the samples were so dense and musically interesting, leading up especially to the ending of Just Like You, where lyrically, Christ gets uh, introduced in this fantastic, like meaningful, dense fashion. Which then like goes into like that like extra drum layer brought into the end. It's just like it's so special, so incredible. And I'm listening to this for the purpose of this podcast, thinking, is it five stars? Like, maybe it is. <laughs> like, have I been just an idiot for ignoring this album for so long? But then got a no started. I was like, Okay, <laughs> this isn't a perfect album. And for me, the album ended up being a W where it started on a high. For a few songs, went to a low for a few songs. In the middle, came back to a high for a few songs, which would be literally high. New Shalom, forty deep. Went low again because I really didn't care for we Walking on Water, God is Enough, and then if we exclude the bonus track, I think the album ended on a really great note. Basically, my favorite portions of the album are the first four songs and the official last four songs, boasting background, new reality, and release date. Um, that that end portion revived my hope in the album overall, and I think I could cut this album down into like a 10, 11-track album that I would really love. Uh, but as it is, uh, coming from listening to it for the first time, starting out being really impressed, but then just having way too many songs that I did not like, I thought... Personally, I thought "Gotta Know" used to do it too, and "Children of Light" were just embarrassingly bad. As um, having all that wing against it, uh, is this a five-star album for me? No.
2: I'm kind of. I was already thinking it. If this was a 12-track album, I think I'd probably stay with five. If I could pick my 12 tracks, yeah, I think I'd I'd say five hands down.
0: All right. Well, uh, is it five stars? Uh, we all voted uh, four and a half. We we all
2: voted I'm no. I'm at four and a half.
0: Although we could all yeah. we could all probably make a shorter five star album from the pieces of Rehab. Absolutely, and that's a lot, Absolutely. that's a lot more than you can say uh, from most albums. We now take a quick break to tell you about this week's sponsor. Tooth & Nail Records, they've been releasing some of the best and most famous Christian rock albums over the past two or three decades, and today they are promoting their Spotify playlists. So if you search for Tooth & Nail on Spotify, you'll come across a number of official curated playlists based on certain themes or artists or genres. One of my favorites is Tooth & Nail is for Lovers just in time for Valentine's Day. It has a great song I've never heard before, A Little Braver by New Empire, but also has old classics by Copeland and May. But I want to hone in on their playlist titled The Collection, a 94-song playlist that really covers the entire history of the record label. I just want to read off the artists that are represented on the first 10 of these 94 songs. You've got Five older artists, As Cities Burn, Me Without You, Further Seems Forever, Under Oath, and Watashi Wa," And then five of their newer artists, Tyson Motzenbacher, Loyals, The Welcome Wagon, Hearts Like Lions, and Civilian. It's a great picture of where the record label has been and where they are now and where they are going. And I want to play for you today one of my favorite songs from this playlist. That's Bail Out by the newer band, Loyals, off their self-titled album. I'm going to play a clip of it now and then the full song at the end of the podcast, so stick around for that. Um, Honestly, I love this song. This is the type of song that had me singing along to it before I had finished listening to it for the first time. And I honestly hope it'll have the same effect on you. So again, this is Loyal's, and look for the Tooth & Nail Records playlists on Spotify. of albums that we loved or liked a lot or maybe would give five stars to. Uh <laughs> we we just had to finish the painful at least for me agonizing task of uh, picking and ranking our favorite albums and songs of 2017. And it is officially 2018 as we're recording this, so we can breathe a big sigh and move on with our life. But uh well, let's let's just. I think it'd be fun. Let's just go through the top ten and uh, say like where we fall on it, uh, because we've got a lot of uh, disparity um, amongst the opinions here. But one thing that stuck out to, stood out uh stood out to me. There are seventeen people on
1: staff. Four people picked Crooked as album of the year, and Chase and I were one of those four people. I I was not uh, actually. Oh, you, got, you put it number two? I did.
0: Oh, that's right, because you put Beatitudes at number one. Right. I was the only person who had a number one album that wasn't reflected anywhere by anyone else.
1: <laughs> oh, Chase, what are we going to do with you? The point that I was making is, you know, there were 17 people on staff, four put Crooked at number one, and every single other one of the 13 people had a different album as their album of the year. So there were 14 hmm. different albums that were named album of the year by somebody on staff.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, I'm seeing that now. There is a lot of diversity outside of propaganda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're re- seriously all over the place. That's actually pretty cool. And that, was,
1: that was one of the reasons. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I also think that's one of the reasons that our number two album of the year was able to make it up to number two. <laughs> and I know, Michael, you may not have been a f- much of a fan of Crooked, but you oh. were a big fan of this one.
2: Yes, sir. Mortal Ghost by if Rusty it, Ship.
0: If,
1: oh, yeah.
2: If you're listening and you haven't listened to Rusty Ship, you got to do it. You got to do gotta it. You got to do it. It is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Up until this year, we'd only had one indie artist crack our, st- our staff top 10. That was Grey Havens. And I think they made number six with Fire and Stone, uh, which is a great album. But Rusty Ship, completely indie artist, kind of. Um, Chris and I started it. The torch, um, uh, Nicole jumped on and really pushed it forward. And everyone, I think almost everyone on staff ended up listening to it. Some people didn't like it as much, but I was blown away that uh, Rusty Ship made it to number two on the list. I was, I thought maybe bottom ten, uh, bottom bottom five, yeah, is where it'd come in at. And then when the list came out at number two, I was just shocked. I think it's plenty deserving of number two. That's where I put it on my personal list, but uh, good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's really exciting to see that an independent artist can get such recognition on our site. And it was especially cool to see Rusty Ship up there, um, just because I know how like hardworking and earnest of a band they are. I have met uh, the lead singer in person. I actually have his business card. He's a super nice, genuine guy. Um, so I'm just really, really happy for him and them.
2: I've never met him in person, but I've been been talking to him off and on all year since I reviewed the album, mm-hmm. and I, that's the vibe I get. Just nice and as genuine as you can be, and he is immensely excited, uh, not only to be on the list, but to be this high on the list. Yeah. He is stoked.
0: I mean, like, yeah, Jesus Freak Hideout isn't just like uh, <laughs> some rando blog, you know? We're talking about a well-established <laughs> website uh, in its third decade. So yeah, this is a good accomplishment to be in between artists like Propaganda and John Mark McMillan. That, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> Not to plug ourselves or anything. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, seriously. so I'm, I'm still relatively new to the website. Like, I, I still feel generally more like a fan and reader of this website than a staff writer. You know, I've, I've been checking this website weekly for most of a decade if not more than a decade so it's i don't know if if my band (laughs) was on jesus freaks hideout uh top 10 of the year i I would be i would be freaking out too i would be jesus freaking out too in my hideout you know i got i gotta say one
1: thing about for uh, mortal ghost um you know the first couple of times i listened to it i didn't exactly know what to think it sounds, and Chris hears me say this a lot, or not Chris, uh, Chase, sorry mm-hmm. Chase, uh, you hear me say this a lot and you kind of tease me about it, you know, oh, it sounds like something that I should like. <laughs> well, I listen, <laughs> I listen to Mortal Ghosts and I'm like, the, fir- the first couple of times, you know, this sounds like something I should like. And uh, I still think know, that's I a bizarre statement.
2: <laughs> I get it though. I totally get it, Mark.
1: I can actually remember the moment that I decided, yep, you know what? I love this album. It's going to make my top 10. Um, I was actually listening to it in the middle of a run. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that's kind of like the a, a moment of truth. If I can listen to an album in the middle of a run and not really notice I'm running, then that's like the highest praise that I can give an album. You know, another album that I that sounded like I should like it. Beatitudes. attitudes. Well, I was, nah, I wasn't going to say that one. <laughs> we, were leadi- we were leading into it. John Mark McMillan.
3: Ow. That is Ow. an album
1: that I, every time I listen to it, you know, I don't know how many times I've listened to it, but, you know, at least 10 times. Every time I listen to it, I feel like I really should like this, but I just, <laughs> I mean, not that I don't like it, but... Nothing stands out (laughs) to me. And I loved his previous album, uh, Borderland. You know, that was my number three album of 2014. But I just couldn't get behind Mercury and Lightning. And uh, I feel kind of bad about it, honestly. And I know that's another thing that, Chase, you can tease me about all you want. Where does this
0: compulsion to have particular opinions come from?
1: (laughs) Because I know myself, I know what I usually like, yeah. and I usually like everything.
2: <laughs> I'll be re- I'll be really honest. I I I never listened to Mercury Lightning. Where I was at, where where you're at, Mark, with this album is where I was at with Borderland. I I listened to it because some folks on the site were talking about it, and at first listen, I'm like, I really like this, and then I started listening to more. I'm like, I don't know if I like this that kind of final taste is what kind of led me to skip this one. I, I need to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Chase, what do you think about John Mark and his sloppy wet kisses? <laughs>
0: uh, there I'm- aren't any sloppy wet
1: kisses on this one. <laughs> I, I
0: prefer unforeseen kisses. And, uh, it, well, it's funny. Uh, there's the, uh, thing about should like, and, our staff writer that keeps on trying to nail that should like category for me is josh and you know he tries like pinpoint an artist that (laughs) i love a lot and then give me recommendations based on that artist that just kind of fall flat for me he's like i don't get it if you like this artist how could you not like this artist i'm I'm sorry josh if you like sarah groves how can you not like audrey assad i i don't even get that one to me but man uh Uh, Let's not talk about Audrey Side right now. Who, by the way, (laughs) by the way, is represented in my number one album. So it's not like I can't stand her, but sometimes I can't stand her. Um, So Josh is the one who uh, (laughs) selected Mercury and Lightning as his number one album of the year. And he gave it five stars. And the first time I heard it, I kind of got it. And I was working, so it didn't have my full attention. But what I was hearing you know, like kind of with half attention was, you know, likable uh, to me enough to where I actually purchased it, which, you know, in this day and age is odd enough. But so I I, I had enough confidence in it that I would really like it. So I purchased it, but then it kind of fell into the back burner. And when I finally got around to listening to it again, I was, I was displeased. There's really interesting things happening musically on this album, uh, but none of it is enough for me to, just just buy into the songs as a whole. So I guess we're all in kind of a whatever <laughs> state on this album. So that can bring us to number four, The Storm Before man, the Calm a
1: tough one. by Death Therapy. Oh, this one. Ha. <laughs> oh, man, my number, what did I put it, number four? No, 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 it was my number two, excuse me. Oh, I love this album.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, this is uh, number one for Lucas? Yes. Yeah, and then number two for you, Mark. And my number three. Oh, wow. So you two love it, so uh I'll try not to bash it too hard.
1: <laughs> oh, Chase, you start out. You please do tell so, us. So
0: I think the the use of the, the most typical dance beat in the world scattered randomly throughout this album is a super frustrating thing on an album that is already like it demands to be carried by the drums, and the drummer just makes stupid decisions throughout. Um, And I think that is most clear on that jam out (laughs) like instrumental, instrumental song that I think if I remember correctly, closes out the album. That's just so amateur to me. So many like simple things that are kind of cool in the moment, but at no point does it add up to something that actually equals a composition, a songwriting. Um, And really just like the whole, the whole mood of this album you know, the, the, the bass being manipulated so many sounds and all the electronics going on in the background. Really, it just sounds like they discovered Nine Inch Nails for the first time and thought, oh, we can do this. And so they did it, threw in a few dance beats to make it hip, and then called it an album. And I would not call it an album. I would call it a waste of my time. So... You're so so wrong. That is that is our number four album of the year. <laughs> so, so now that dude, that's out strong, there, dude. Uh, y'all can praise the album.
2: <laughs> I love the album. It was until until Rusty Ship came. I had I had Death Therapy pinned at, at one or two early in the year. Wow. A couple of other things happened, and, and it ended up at three. And I get the nine inch nails. Thing a little bit because it is industrial flavored, and that's the that's the point of it. And everyone jumped on the whole. Oh, it sounds like Marilyn Manson. Well, one riff and part of one song kind of sounds like Marilyn Manson, but really, as a whole, the album doesn't sound anything like that. Yeah, um, I
1: wouldn't know one way or the other.
2: <laughs> well, that, that
0: was kind of my thing. Like, I, I was almost wondering, like, are are Christians eating this up because Christians aren't familiar with this genre? Because it's been so unrepresented in Christian rock, but uh, it's, it's so it's interesting, Michael, to hear you familiar with the industrial genre and really loving this album. So
2: I do. The, at times, listening to it at the end of the year, at times some of the electronic stuff started to, to bug me a little bit. I think it went a l- little overboard. <laughs> um, but. I stand by my four and a half stars right. the, um, <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't believe uh, he's the first person to do this. I can't remember the, the band, but I'm pretty sure there's another, another band with no guitars and just bass and drums. And it's, it's slipped my mind, but it is a cool little concept.
0: Is there anything else we want to say on uh, death therapy? All I want to say is that it was
1: catchy as anything as catchy as anything I've ever heard.
0: I'm just going to have to say this every single episode. Uh, your definition of catchy is so different than my definition of catchy. (laughs) That's like the recurring theme. We might as well call this the, what is catchy podcast.
1: Well, now for something completely different,
0: completely different. Uh, number five. Uh, so this is my last representation on our top 10 and the official top five, uh, is also, uh, my number five album of the year, the beauty between by King's Kaleidoscope.
1: Oh, man. So, Another album that I felt like I should like.
0: <laughs> Don't get me started. So, what's funny about this one is I have actually always really, really disliked this band. Um, they they have an album that is, I think, one of the website's most loved albums. And I I didn't think it was good. I've never thought this band was good. I've never even liked the sound of the singer's voice until I heard the opening track and lead single... The beauty between hearing his voice in a in a context of samples and hip hops and hip hop and rap. I just said hip hops, man, man. I just went from a twenty five year old to a fifty five year old. Um, you kids in the hippity hops, um, but yeah, just the context of it made so much sense for what this band can do, and suddenly the recontextualization of the band's sound into a hip-hop mixtape made me like the singer's voice in a way I never had before. Uh, so, I eventually started listening to the full album, and I, I like it a lot. I think uh, Braille has stuff here that's better than what he does on his own album <laughs> with Beautiful Eulogy. I think the compositions, especially something like Alive, is so... I, I think it's almost thrilling. Uh, it, it It effectively does hip-hop but then also uh, does something that works as a, as a full band and isn't just one sample looped the whole way through, but has these evolving compositions. And, you know, there's not a guest rapper on every single song, so there's variety too. Uh, but even as a relatively short mixtape, so to speak, I, I really do think this is one of the year's triumphs, and it nearly uh, was higher on my own list. So, what do you two think?
2: I think that this is the year's most awful album art, and maybe one of the most awful album arts of all time. For starters,
0: <laughs> I won't fight that. <laughs> it's I've, terrible. No, I, I've Honestly, actually tried. I won't fight that either. I've tried making that shape with my own hand. To, to, it's impossible to make. Yeah, to make the heart in between my first two fingers, it physically impossible.
2: It um, it looks like a bicep with fingers growing out of it to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it does. Uh, I don't know. I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of with you in a way Chase. Um, <gasps> I was never in really? love with this band. Well in the beginning here. I was never in love with the band. I, I did like the album I think you're um talking about um which was becoming who we are Mm -hmm. i did i i I didn't like it as much as uh, mark and scott and i think ryan all gave it five stars i was probably at a good four and a half on it and i really liked their ep uh the aesop's arrows i really enjoyed that um kind of started getting a little sour on them with beyond control and not just because of the profanity, I just, the album to me was nowhere near as good as Becoming Who We Are. But, I kind of get where you're coming from. I never liked them as much as it seems like everyone else did. But, yeah, for this one, th- this album just, I kind of glanced over it and cringed at the artwork. It, it's a pass for me.
0: Alright.
1: Mark? I loved Becoming Who We Are. I loved Beyond Control. But, to me, I what I like to... Describe if I'm telling somebody about King's Kaleidoscope, I like to describe them as a sensory overload in a good way. Um, (laughs) Just because there's so much going on, and it all, you know, my opinion, Chase, obviously you don't share this opinion, but there's always so much going on in the music, and it gels so well. It's just so. Beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. And when I first listened to The Beauty Between, man, it sounded like total chaos.
0: Man, I don't understand that at all.
1: Everything that, you know, I had loved about King's Kaleidoscope, you know, it was just gone. It, It was so messy. It was just a messy album. And I softened. And on later listens, you know, I got used to it, I figured it out, you know um, it's hip hop, you know i tr- I listened to it with a, more of my hip hop headphones, if you will <laughs> and it, i I grew to like it or a uh, more um really never had any chance of making my top ten um <sighs> it's still. You know, just not... Is, is still too chaotic for me, I think.
0: That is so bizarre. I have such an opposite view. I, I think this album has such a clear vision. You know, individual songs and the flow from song to song on the album. And how you described uh, King's Collider Sculpt Mulder music as sen- sensory overloaded in a good way. I would say that it's sensory overloaded in a bad way. And that they actually took this large band and focused it in and didn't have things going on or instruments playing at any point where it wasn't adding to the composition or where it wasn't necessary. I think this album could have been uh, chaotic if they made it the way that they've made their old music. So I'm totally at the polar opposite view here. I I think this is a far from chaotic release. So I'm a little baffled. So gosh, this next one, Number six, Work Songs, The Porter's Gate Worship Project Volume 1 by The Porter's Gate.
2: This is... I think this is... I liked it. It was nice. I think this is the one I'm most surprised about is on the top ten. Same. Much less at six. Same. I know Mason Mason loved it. It's his number one, but right. I I did thought there was no way possible that this was going to make a top ten. I didn't even right. figure it. It even crossed my mind.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Man. I... I for what it's worth, figured it would um, because I knew that there were enough people on staff that liked it enough. Um, so I'm definitely not surprised to see it on there. It's a really nice album. And, you know, that's about as much I can, as much as I can really say about it. Like it's background just a music nice? It's a really nice album.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Man. So... For me, I see uh, a similarity between Mason giving this five stars and me giving Beatitudes five stars.
2: Yeah, you're bo- you're both crazy. Right.
0: <laughs> All right. So so this album comes out that um, is this big collaborative project with one like directive theme carrying it, but a bunch of different singers and songwriters working throughout it. A lot of variety in the voices, um, all, you know, collectively gathering for a particular vision. You know, the Beatitudes caught me in a way that it didn't catch anyone else on staff. And so it's funny, Mason gave Portersgate five stars, which out of the reviews I've read, I think it might actually be my favorite review on the website from this year. Um, I really believe he just killed it and his written review is fantastic. I like his review more than I like the album. <laughs> so it's it's a little frustrating to me to see like all these similarities and to see like that the, this, you know, hoorah five-starness that Mason started with Porter's Gate found its way into the hearts of other staff writers in the way that my hoo-ha for the Beatitudes didn't. So there's my uh, grudge for the evening.
1: (laughs) Well, Chase, if it makes you feel any better, I did like Beatitudes better than work songs.
3: Yes!
0: Thank you. That means so much to me. I appreciate that a lot. So next, number seven, is Real Life by Aaron Sprinkle, uh, which is Christopher Smith's number one album of the year.
1: Mm -hmm. A perennial favorite. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Is that a joke? Yeah.
2: No, no, it's a good album. I just, I was kind of surprised. Um, Chris had it number one, was not surprised at all. It made the overall list. Uh, I'm happy for Aaron that he's on there. It's it's a fun album.
0: Right. Like We all love Aaron Sprinkle as uh, a producer. And towards the end of the year, he and his brother Jesse released the Blank Books EP that also has some representation on some people's lists. And it's, that's really good. I I do like Blank Books more than I like this album. It's funny, our staff top 10 does take a uh, shift towards pop on these final four uh, mm-hmm. albums, yeah. which I think is, I, I hadn't realized that until now. And just to lump them all together, there's something that I could, enjoy in a very general easy comfortable sense about these next four albums but also something that nagged me enough to just give up and for me uh with real life it's just it's just the 80s thing i haven't i've never been a huge fan ever of the 80s sounds and the 80s throwback and the just that style and those synths it it doesn't do much for me like the songs that i heard from real life I liked them I, I think I would have liked this album much better if you would have just you know stripped those songs down to their core um, and built them up in a different way in a different style Here's me
1: you would have liked the album better if it was a different style fair enough
0: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because like I mean you can you know debatably you can take any melodic song down to just lyrics and melody and then do so much with it. Um, you know, genre in some ways is just how you color, um, the, the, the lyrics that you're singing, the story that you're telling. Um, and that's how you're able to, you know, make an industrial metal homage to Castlevania. That's how you're able to make, (laughs) um, hardcore covers of pop songs or whatever else it is. Um, because there's so much malleability, in terms of instrumentation and style. And so, you know, for real life, it's it's less of me trying to say that it's objectively bad songwriting and more of me saying subjectively it's a style that I don't want to put inside of my ear holes. So number eight is uh, Revival by Third Day. Um, I've, I've already shared kind of generally how I, I am with uh, all of these last few albums. For this one, it, I just I, I don't like this guy's voice. I never have, never will. I walked out on a third-day concert once, like 12 years ago, because of how much I couldn't stand this guy's voice. So it's not me saying at all that there's anything wrong with these songs. I just... I'm never going to be in a, in a place of enjoying them.
2: Um, I got excited about this album with the title, and um, I think Alex uh, was was all stoked on it and josh and i got really excited and i cannot say i've been excited for a third day album and conspiracy number five was the last third day of my life um so it's been a long long time so i got really excited about this one and listened to it and was just like it sounds like third day <laughs> It's not it's it's nothing that stood out i was ready for this Either revival of their older Southern you know, debut or maybe more revival in the sense of that, that style of music you'd expect to hear. Maybe some Southern gospel flair or something, something crazy like that. And then it just sounded like a third day album. Yeah.
1: You know, I think I kind of agree with that. It wasn't an album that really stood out to me a lot. Um, you know, again, you know, I read Alex's review, I read, I'd heard all the good things about to say, that people said about it. Um, I think John really liked this album, too, it, it's number five on his list. So I did have high expectations coming into this, and, you know, it just, you know, there, there were a few, a few neat things in there, but, you know, it was fine. That's about all I can say about it. I, I just want to throw out there, by the way, that um, we love all you guys that love these albums. We love you, Mason. We love you, Josh. <laughs> we love you, Alex aka tin can we love you guys
2: don't don't worry nicole says i'm a negative nancy all the time yeah so it's all right
0: i know and we're about to get into another album that i think we're going to be plenty negative about <laughs> but uh you know, it's, it's all it's all in good humor um i i feel less bad uh about our you know co-staff writers listening to this than i do about if some of these artists are listening and you know i I've said this in other contexts, but to be uh, negative toward an album is usually just about our our hope seeing artists re- uh, reach a height that we've seen them at before. Um, and it might be from a completely personal, emotional, subjective level. You know, like, you know, Michael, like you are with uh, um, Propaganda and Excellent, where you're in the minority of not liking Crooked, but you have loved Propaganda in the past. You know, you do... Um, yeah. See his his talent and his potential uh, for your own tastes, oh, no your own uh, experiences. And this next band, you know, again, like they're they're nice guys who I see as having plenty potential, and I just don't think they've um, used it yet. Plenty of people disagree. They made our top ten. They're fairly popular, and they're actually, um, I think, finding a lot of popularity outside of the realms of uh, strictly Christian music. Uh, which is yeah, cool Colony for them. Colony
1: House, is they're not uh, marketed as a Christian band. But, of course, they can't really escape it because two of the guys are the sons of Stephen Curtis Chapman. So,
0: Well, I guess you kind of already revealed what I was leading up to. But our number nine album is by <laughs> Colony House. And, yeah, I this is another album that I never finished. It just wasn't <laughs> interesting enough to me, uh, enjoyable enough to me to merit... Uh, the entire album and yeah all it does is remind me that I really 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 want a new Stephen Curtis Chapman album so yeah sorry guys
2: (laughs) I think it was Chris who was saying yeah you might like him and I think the first song I was like okay and then it just yeah I I didn't I didn't care for the album it was a little more I guess a little more pop than I expected what are your thoughts on Colony House Mr. Rice
1: there were definitely some really high points to "Only the Lonely," that there were definitely some, you know, moments that I really liked. There weren't enough of them. Uh, you and I, really catchy song, enjoy it. Uh, one, two, three, four, really catchy song. I enjoyed it, but there just weren't enough of those moments for me. So, that's more or less. Mm-hmm. That's more or less
0: it. Again, I they're they're still young. Our, our website it's easy to favor the kind of artists who've been making music for so long and that we have such a deep connection to. So I'm not counting them out by any means. Just like how King's Kaleidoscope's album this year was the first time I've liked them. Um, I'll look forward to the day when Colony House puts out something that's like, yes, this one's for me. So I almost had this moment this year with Mercy Me's Lifer. Widely liked across the staff. I think a lot of people were surprised uh, after all this time to really enjoy a mercy me album. And again, it's, it's an album that I, I, you know, I tried out and like, I was right there with it. I was really enjoying it on, um, just a level of having fun with the music. Um, and I got halfway through it, was having a good time, kind of fell out of the mood, stopped and never returned. So not too much that I can say. Uh, i haven't heard the second half of the album, uh, but I can definitely <laughs> vouch for
3: the first half
0: being a good and time. Think I don't
1: make any sense. A good time. <laughs> oh, Chase.
2: For me, Mercy Me has never been terrible. I-, I would prefer Mercy Me any day over something like Casting Crowns. That's just for my taste. Amen. Um, but Mercy Me has also never really been anything special to me. And I'm kind of like you, if I'm listening to bits and pieces of Lifer, but I heard a Mercy Me album. Just what I expected of Mercy Me, it, I didn't hear anything different or new. Yeah. or It just sounded like, oh, that's another Mercy Me album that's got some nice songs that I'll hear on the radio and be like, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> and that's kind of that's where I was with it. Um, so you'd say the album isn't a Lifer for you. Yeah, we'll go with that. All as, right. As cheesy and corny as it is, we'll go with that.
0: Rice Bowl? Well, if
1: you guys are ready for me to shock you, I actually very much agree with you that it looks and sounds just like a Mercy Me album. But here's the thing. You know, I, I do think Mercy Me kind of, sort of, gets a little bit of a bad rap. Um, I said rep, not rap. Um, yes, they write very you bad know, I, raps. I do get it. <laughs> you know, I do get it. The thing with Mercy Me is that they had yet, up to this point in their career, they hadn't yet made a full, complete, cohesive album that I could just listen to and enjoy from beginning to back. And... I, there were almost every single Mercy Me album since Undone, really. There have been moments, really strong moments that I've loved, and then there have just been moments that are just forgettable, and then there are just moments that I didn't think worked. They are a, they are a really creative band. When I listened to Lifer, it sounded like a Mercy Me album, a really good Mercy Me album. But there were no, to me, there were no weak points.
0: Uh, So I think just going uh, one at a time to wrap us up on 2017 and specifically these lists, I want to give each of us a chance uh, to mention anything you want to from your lists and anything that stuck out to you or that you were happy to see or surprised to see from other people's lists. Mark, do you want to start out with that?
1: Yeah. uh, Can I point out two albums? Yeah, please. Yeah, two albums that I would really like to highlight, and the, the weird thing is that one of them actually did not make my list, um, which I feel really sad about, but I, th- I think it was the right choice that it didn't make my list, but I still feel really sad about it. Uh, two albums that I would love to point out are... <laughs> oh, Chase, brace yourself. Church of Agony. <laughs> Protest, Worship, Agony. Lament. <laughs> And the other album that I would like to point out is uh, Till You're All I See from Seth Davey. Both of them are, you know, the members or a member of a, a band that JFH has a tendency to really like. Um, Protest, Worship, Lament is made up of um, Josh Dyes and a few other people from uh, Showbread. And... um Seth Davey is obviously the former lead vocalist of Attalus. And I just really like both of these albums. Church of Agony is. If you can't stand synthesizers, which I know Chase doesn't, you will not stand Church of Agony because it is almost literally nothing except synthesizers. I mispronounced that, that I, I, as I said it. I use synthesizers. synthesizers. I
0: like synthesizers. I Synthesizers give you the ability to make things perfect. And so it's really weird to hear synthesizers used in a way where things aren't lining up and things are sloppily performed. But I'm sorry. Please continue.
3: Well,
1: that's the point. <laughs> it's, it's protest. It's worship, supposed lament, to sound bad. Agony.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It sounds so bad, it sounds good. And it doesn't even sound bad. You're, <laughs> ma- you're making it sound bad.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: man.
1: Man, I, I just really like that album, though. So I got to give it a shout out. It's showbread. Only they're making a worship album. Yeah. And it's super heavy on synthesizers. Um, and then, of course, Seth Davey. Literally nothing except Davey and Piano. One of my all-time favorite uh, hymn or hymn-like songs, because it's only actually about 20 years old, is the song "How Deep the Father's Love for Us." Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, "Till You're All I See" is that song stretched out into a full-length album. Hmm. And Interesting. Th- there's just so—I m- mean, the themes of you know that song that. You know, who are we that God should love us, that he, was able, that he chose to make these sacrifices for us, even though it caused him pain um, and we didn't deserve it. It just really, really stands out to me. Michael, your thoughts?
2: Just kind of uh, go through a couple on my list. I still highly recommend Sky Beats Gold by Young Fox. It came out in February And I am still listening to the album pretty regularly today. Uh, It's almost a year old. And for me, it's it's everything I want in a rock album. It's got a a 90s vibe, but it doesn't sound too dated to 90s. It's kind of moody. Chase brought up some interesting, I guess, complaints or issues with it. And I kind of hear where he was coming from on some of that stuff. But this album stuck with me from... From day one, and it has been my most listened to album by far in 2017. So that's why it it made number one. Um, If you guys haven't checked it out, find a place to stream it. uh, Find some songs on YouTube, whatever. Buy it. That's always good, too, when you buy things. Um, It's a really great album. Um, We already talked about Rusty Ship. Super stoked for that guy uh, and the band. Um, He was my number two. I think the album I was most disappointed that didn't make the staff list, and I think it's because I actually got excited about this guy for the first time ever. Was uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors oh, yeah. Souvenir was such a such a great album. I went out and bought it on vinyl uh, and everything else because I liked it so much. And I'd never really paid too much attention to Drew before. Some stuff here and there. So that's a good one. Um, the other one I was a little surprised with, and I think it's only because of how they performed in the past, was uh, Ongoing Concept. And I think, Mark, you like, liked it as well. It, it was number seven on my list. And it seemed like people and staff liked it, but it just wasn't liked enough to make it on the top ten list. Um, yeah, they, I was shocked. But I liked it a lot. That was kind of my other surprise. And then the other thing I noticed was kind of a numbers here for me. At Project 86, 68, and Flatfoot 56, <laughs> <laughs> They're all on my list. Oh, that's good. Um, I think Chase Chase listened to to Flatfoot uh, late late in the year, and this one came out earlier in the year, and uh, it's just a fun it's a fun fun band. Flatfoot 56 is yeah. So.
1: Flatfoot 56 came very close to making my top ten. Yeah, they were probably the third to, third to last album that I eliminated.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, I can definitely uh, agree that uh, Young Fox and uh, Flatfoot 66 both released very good albums. And yeah, you know, Michael, like you said, I've I've talked to you about my issues with both albums, but they're still uh, quite good and uh, worthy of checking out. So Flatfoot and a group of other artists had albums that I only heard for the first time in December while trying to make my list. And essentially, I took all of those artists out of the running in favor of our albums that had come out in, you know, January, February that I still liked 10 or 11 months later and just wanted to honor the, the albums and the artists who had been with me all year long rather than shaking up my list with these brand new impressions of albums I was hearing for the first time. So the last change I made was that I, I just listened to uh, The Sing Team and loved their album so much um but ended up bumping it off my list to put Bethany Bernard on there who uh was the first official review for the site that I wrote and uh still just an album that I I like a whole lot um as a whole I was I was doing some searching there's a lot of unique lists on here and a lot of people who have albums that other people don't have so mine uh has Beatitudes, The Rock Worship, Jeremy Riddle, Sarah Groves, Bethany Bernard, Long Hollow Wave. So that's half or over half of my album album list that no one else has these albums at all. And so with some of them, like Rock Worship, Long Hollow Wave, those are obscure worship albums that I only heard because I reviewed them and ended up just loving them a whole lot. Jeremy Riddle, though, I think a lot of more people uh, should hear and I think a lot of people would like it a lot. It's a pretty incredible album. Uh, I've supposed to have written a review for it, and so I'm still hoping to get around <laughs> to that. Um, so hopefully that'll be on the website soon as well. But another album that uh, made my list, or sorry, two albums that made my list that I was really happy to see other people liking as well were uh, Projections by Landry Cantrell and I'm Only Dreaming by Isley. Is seeing songs... Uh, from those albums appearing on people's songs lists uh, and those albums appearing elsewhere. That was the kind of thing that warmed my heart <laughs> a whole lot. And then just a lot of cool lists from other uh, writers that I was, had things I was happy to see. Uh, the Gloom Catcher, the EP uh, from the singer Falling Up, made a few lists, and that is a great uh, album. Uh, my list is devoid of heavy music, um, but the closest thing that almost made my list was Uh, Awaken by Fleshkiller. Fantastic album. Mm. It's like as heavy as can be, but also worshipful. There's almost an intangible element to that album that makes it extremely special. So it was Lucas's number two. uh, Timothy's number three, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. Very good album uh, that, again, was like on the cusp of it for me. And then... I uh,
1: wasn't as particularly in love with Awaken. Awaken. Um, yeah. I really couldn't get into it, but I was glad to see that, that it did make other people's lists because it, it was just a style thing for me, I think. If I would have been more into kind of like that style of, you know, death metal, I probably would have liked it a lot more.
0: Yeah. Um, and then someone else's list I want to highlight is uh, Kevin Hoskins. He has another one of the very uh, unique lists that probably anyone who reads this site is going to be something on his list that you're not familiar with, which I think is really cool. Um, His number two album of the year is Sensation by Devin Shelton. That is another album that almost made mine. Um, It's slightly low quality on the production, which is one of the things that worked against it uh, for me. But even then it's still great. Uh, it's really good. And he and I, uh, both included, tied the song from the Devon Shelton album on our top songs list. So it was cool to see us seeing that, uh, simultaneously Kevin Hoskins is the, uh, one who introduced me to that album sensation. So I'm grateful to him for that. Um, and you know, it's cool. It's like that you look throughout these lists and, uh, you know, we're not an echo chamber. We're not people agreeing with each other. Um, There's a lot of variety here, um, which I think makes it extra cool uh, to keep up with the different writers. Uh, The fact that we have the second opinions and the two cents on uh, albums is very exciting. I I love uh, the staff that we have right now and all the different opinions here. So, here's hoping that we have a lot of great albums in 2018 to keep writing and talking and arguing and disagreeing about
2: <laughs> real quick, since you brought up Kevin, um, I'm, I'm on in the same boat with him for me. Canopy by no big deal was the best hip hop rap album of the year. And then another band he highlighted that was my number 11, uh, was hearts like lions, mm-hmm. uh, war of, war of ages came in late in the year and I loved it. And it kind of nudged him out. And then I think I, Canopy was probably my number twelve.
0: So, oh, nice. Kevin's
1: got a pretty
2: pretty solid list too.
1: Yeah, I really liked Heart by Lo-
0: Heart, Heart's Like Lions also. Uh, so, I, I guess that's that's 2017, eh? And right,
1: now we can never mention any of those stuff again.
0: Yep. Now we're not allowed to listen to those albums anymore. Yep. None of them. All right. So on our last episode, Mark, I forced you to listen to the kind of Christian, but really not album (laughs) between the heart and the synapse by the receiving end of sirens what did you think
1: oh man um oh it was good i
0: guess i'll need to accept that are you sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean you you can accept that you know it just doesn't it just didn't leave as strong and a really strong impression on me you know i liked it. it it's And this happens with a lot of albums that I listen to. I can listen to it, and I know that, yeah, this is good. I like this. Mm -hmm. And then I just don't really... I guess it's kind of like what you felt when you listened to Mercy Me. You know, I just really, really enjoyed it. You know, could listen to it over and over again. And you listened to half of it and was like, yeah, I like this, and then just didn't come back to it. You know, that's... Kind of the same thing with Receiving End of Sirens with me. You know, there were definitely some, you know, great standout moments. You know, all I can really say is, yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was nice.
0: Yeah. I, so it's been, I guess, 13, album, 13 years just about since that album came out. And I've still never heard other artists accomplish what was accomplished on that album. Uh, specifically, balancing three vocalists effectively and, you know, planning a pr- prison break, the, the first real song on the album, it introduces them singing different lyrics in different melodies on top of each other. And at uh, the end of this armistice, which is in the second half of the album, they just take that to the next level by having all three singers singing different lyrics with different melodies all on top of each other and it flowing and fitting and working um, it still just, to this day, uh, blows my mind and excites me when I listen to it. So, yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not for everyone. I, it, it hurts a little bit, not for you to say that it's just good, but for you to compare it to Mercy Me, because I think this is the, is the no, furthest thing. No, 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 no from... <laughs> You misunderstand me. No, I understand your point. I understood your point. I just, it's it's <laughs> so dense musically, and there's so much going on instrumentally, lyrically, thematically. Um, that to say it's, uh, just like a, a pleasurable listen, it <sighs> like, whew, were you listening to the same album as me? That's, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm glad you liked it. You know, uh, if it's pleasing sounds to your ear more or less, but I guess I really shouldn't introduce you to their second album because that's an even harder album to like and really takes a lot of digging into to find the beauty in which I think I mentioned our last episode, their second album is my like tied for my favorite album of all time. So
1: whatever. It, there's definitely, you know, maybe if I were to come back to this album, you know, keep coming back to it later, I could be able to unpack more of the things that, you know, you were able to unpack.
0: Um, but well, know, let me it, ask you this. I guess it, yes. Is it an album that you think you should like? <laughs>
1: oh man! Do you really want me to answer that question?
2: I sure don't. <laughs> I think I think it's a no, but I'm just guessing.
1: I think it's an album that I could like.
2: There we go. All right. So,
0: uh, what what have you got for me? Ooh man! What do I have from you?
1: Ah, uh, so you're gonna love me for this one. If, uh, ever since we started this, I knew that I was going to have you listen to an album from this particular artist. I just didn't know which album because there are three albums that I definitely um, would have to decide between. And I I love all three albums and I love all three albums for very different reasons. The band I'm talking about is a band called Iona they are a huh. Irish progressive rock band and oh, the album that i chose <laughs> that i'm choosing for you to listen to is called The Book of Kells released in 1993 it was actually on you know one of our previous episodes we talked about the top 100 albums in CCM yeah. it was on that list oh and mm-hmm, it is a Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous album. You know, very 90s, but it is just a beautiful, gorgeous album, in my opinion.
0: All right. And that's
1: I-O-N-A? Iona? I O N All right. So the band is called Iona, and the album is called The Book the of Hells. For what it's worth, Chase, I don't want to discourage you or anything, but... I get the feeling that you're not going to like this album. <laughs> I really, really hope you
0: do, though. <laughs> well, we'll find out <laughs> on the next episode of 24. Listeners, hopefully you'll be uh, catching back up with us next week. So, until then, this has been the uh, Jesus Free cat Podcast, and it is pronounced DiBiase. The JFH Podcast is hosted by Mark Rice and me, Chase Tremaine. Production editing and music is also by me. The podcast is executive produced by John DiBiase and Christopher Smith. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please send an email to Christopher at JesusFreakHideout.com. We'd also love to hear back from all of our listeners, so please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, our website. You can also rate the podcast on iTunes or recommend it on Overcast. And don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Tooth and Nail Records. Search for their playlists on Spotify or check out new artists such as Off-Road Minivan and Loyals. So now here's a full song from Loyals off their self-titled album. And this song is called Bail Out.
3: So good. Five stars. Is it five stars? Yes.